Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad you're here today. Um, if uh, you haven't looked on our Facebook page, that commercial actually is up there, and you can share it with any of your friends. So uh, if you can just click on that uh, and then just share it with your friends, just go to the JAR Facebook page. Uh, that'd be great. You know, there is something inside each one of us that really wants to make sure that we can trust whoever or whatever it is that is in charge of our lives. Several years ago, uh, my wife had a colleague who had a two-seater plane. And she thought it would be a good idea if I went flying with him. She said that it would be a good bonding experience for the two of us to do this together. His name is uh, Tom. And so, uh, because you know that phrase, uh, happy life, happy wife, uh, even though I really didn't want to go whatsoever, I decided I would do that uh, for the sake of my marriage. And so he picked me up and we pulled up to the International Airport of Alexandria, Indiana. And as we uh, pulled up there, we walk up to this building, we walk inside the building, and there's a guy that has his head down on a desk and he is snoring. He's like... (sighs) And... My buddy Tom wakes him up and he goes, hey, Ernie, and he and Ernie, they start talking back and forth and that was it. And then we go out to the plane. We climb into the plane and he pulls out this great big long uh, uh, piece of paper and it was his checklist. And he starts going through this checklist and the more he starts touching the buttons, the more he starts getting really worried and anxious looks on his face. And I start noticing that the stress level in my body starts intensifying. And I'm getting more and more worried. Does this guy really know how to fly this plane? And then I thought, if he doesn't know how to fly this plane and I die, that's it. But if I live, I'm going to kill my wife. About that time, Tom put on his headphones and he gave me some headphones. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it is, but if you're in a plane and you're right beside the pilot and you get to put on headphones and you get to hear everything, all of a sudden your anxiety goes down and you don't care anymore. You're like, I'm the co-pilot of this plane. And so we're sitting there and uh, all is going well and we take off and all is good. And Tom then uh, gets on the radio and he goes, Ernie, Ernie, please come in, Ernie. I'm not thinking too much about it. Then all of a sudden in my mind I think, Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. You mean Ernie, the guy that was asleep at the table? And I get on the thing, I interrupt him, I go, Tom, is there an Ernie at Kokomo where we're going right now? He goes, no, that was Ernie that you just met. We woke him up. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And at this point, I see him. He has a hold of uh, the wheel, and his, his knuckles are white knuckles. And I grab onto the dash of the plane, and my knuckles become white as well. And I'm thinking to myself, does this guy know how to fly this plane? Well, 
After a few moments of my anxiety level finally coming down to halfway normal, I talked on the radio because I wanted to know, how much flying experience does Tom really have? And so I go, I go, well, hey, Tom, I was like, uh, how long have you been flying a plane? And at this point, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he's going to say something like, well, my dad was a pilot in the military, and then he became a commercial pilot, and so he taught me. Or, you know, uh, he actually uh, went to NASA because he was a doctor, and so maybe he had an internship at NASA or something. He learned to love planes, and so he said, I've been play- flying for like five years. And so I go, how long? He goes, two months. You're the second person I've ever taken up solo before. And at this point, the anxiety level is so high, I'm not really sure how I'm going to be able to do this. But again, I'm thinking to myself, if I live through this thing, I'm killing my wife. (laughs) Here we are, a thousand feet up in the air with this crib note wannabe pilot and I'm only the second guinea pig that he's ever gotten into the plane. And all of a sudden, our whole existence and life and survival is dependent upon a guy who snores named Ernie. Well, we finally get to Kokomo and we're getting ready to land. And this is what Tom says on the radio. You know, last time I landed, it didn't go very well. You're a religious guy. Why don't you go ahead and uh, pray for us? And at this moment, I said the most important and powerful prayer in my life. God, help Tom land this plane. And we landed. Folks, when you're flying on an airplane, all of us want to know, Does the person who's flying, are they competent? Can the pilot fly the plane? But it's not just with airplanes, it's with anything in our lives. When I go to the doctor or my kids' teachers or appliances, I want to know, is there someone in charge? If there is, then I can have freedom And I can have a sense of confidence and peace. But if there's not, I get tense. I get all tied up. Now, ultimately, where this whole thing is leading to is God. Is there someone flying this planet? And is that someone competent? Do they know what they're doing? Or am I at risk? Am I just at risk at... The mercy of my own circumstances, because this is what is true, folks, for you and for me. We either live by the mercy of God, or we live by the mercy of our circumstances. Today we're launching into this brand new series called Stuff Happens, because the reality is, stuff does happen in our life. And during this series... What I want us to do is really go after what I think is the primary illusion of our culture and our day. And the illusion is this. I'm in control. I can pilot my own life. I'm at the will. I'm self-sufficient. I can run things. I mean, often we're tempted to buy into this illusion. But then something happens. A blood vessel bursts. 
a cell comes into our body. Two people are coming up to a stop sign and one chooses not to stop and the other one goes on through. And in an instant, what we are left with is what a fool I was to think that I am in charge. That I'm in control because stuff happens. In fact, it's not just with big crises either. But all kinds of things happen. Birth happens and growth happens and puberty happens. Who would want to go through puberty again? You know what I mean? Like, who wants to deal with all of that? Acne and hormones and changes. Trouble happens. Suffering happens. Healing happens. Death happens. And what I really want to encourage you is, as we're going through this series, don't go through it alone, but invite someone. In your program, there was an invitation. Next week, we're going to talk about healing happens. All of us go through hurts and struggles, and and sometimes we just need some healing to happen in our life. And so take that, invite someone. And what I really want us to look at this morning is our big idea that we're going to be looking at throughout this series, and it's this. Stuff happens, but God is present in it all. That's your first fill-in. You can put it in the program or you can do it on our JAR app. Stuff happens, but God is present in it all. You know, if I can learn from the reality, if I can learn to see where God is present with the stuff that is happening in my life, then I can live with a sense of freedom and ease and confidence. And I can actually go through life and it can be liberating. Now, maybe nobody understood this better than a guy by the name of Paul who was considered one of Jesus' closest followers and who wrote close to half of the New Testament. And Paul said this uh, powerful sentence that I'd like us all to read aloud together. And let's read it out loud together. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And by the end of the series, one of the things I'm going to encourage you is to try to memorize this, and we'll do it a little bit more simple so we can all read it together again. So let's read this again aloud together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, for the rest of our time, all I want to do is go through this particular phrasing. We're going to go through each one of these phrases, but instead of starting with the very first one, I want to do that at the end, and I want to start with this second phrase right underneath it, this phrase that says, in all things, in all things. Now, what is really important here is that all circumstances happen to all of us in life. Sometimes it can be very tempting for us to think, well, if I go to church, if I become a Christian, then there are certain things that won't happen to me. Well, when Paul says, in all things, actually, the, in the Greek language, the very first language of the New Testament, uh, the, the only word that we actually read is the word all. In other words... All stuff, all circumstances it could be uh, defined to. 
I mean, there are a couple of kinds of stuff that happen to all of us. And I want to talk about that. There are, you might say, good stuff and bad stuff. But all good stuff, all bad stuff, all stuff in general happens to people who love God just the same as it does to people who don't love God. So there are two things here. There is good stuff and there is bad stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a, a few kind of possibilities and for you to tell me whether it's good stuff or bad stuff. We'll have fun. Say it out loud together, okay? So here's the first one. You get a promotion at work. What is that? Good stuff, right. Illness. Bad stuff. A blind date. <laughs> it's kind of on the fence, isn't it? You're not really sure. It could be good stuff. Might be bad stuff. Boy, some of you have had some bad dates. I can tell. You know? We're here to please whatever we can do. All right. Uh, going on a game show and winning a vacation. Good stuff. Going on a game show and winning a vacation to an ISIS compound. Yeah, bad stuff, right? Like, that's bad. That's really bad. Folks, all of us have good stuff and bad stuff that happens in our life. And here's the problem. Very often people think this. If I go to church or I become a Christian, what that means is there's going to be more good stuff than bad stuff that happen to me as I give my life to God. And he'll send me more good stuff because I believe in him more. Or they will think, if I'm a Christian and you're not a Christian, then more good stuff should happen to me than to you because I'm actually trying to follow God. But if more good stuff starts happening to somebody who's far from God than it is to a person that's close to God, watch out. We start getting upset. I've also heard this one before. If I want this particular good stuff to come to my life, then I'm really going to have to be faithful and pray and read my Bible and volunteer and serve and do all this kind of God uh, kind of stuff. And then I'll be able to have more good stuff come into my life. No, that's not true. It's not the way that it happens. And this is a very important thing to remember, folks. All things happen to all people. All things happen to all people. Problems at work, losing a job, cranky neighbors, catching a cold, having the dog get sick all over the floor, appliances going out, that happens to people who love God and people who don't believe in God. I'll take it even a step deeper. Guy walks in several years ago to this church. He has a big, long ponytail all the way down. He looks rough. He looks mean. He's tatted up. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy must have had a hard life. And he did. He was hard. He was tough. He's a mean guy. Most of his life was about fights and just making it through. Well, over a period of time, his life started to change. And this hardness started to go away. And... He started getting softer and softer towards things of God until finally he gave his one and only life to God. He got baptized and he started giving anything and everything away to people around him. Very generous guy. 
had a great job, made a lot of money, just very, very generous to anyone and everyone. In fact, uh, right now, what he does is he leads a team of people to go to a homeless shelter once a month, and they serve food, and most of the time, he takes money out of his own pocket to help the needs of 50 to 60 people. I've seen him do it several times. Well, a few months ago, I get a phone call from him. He's diagnosed with lung cancer. Folks, terrible things happen to people. People who even are close to God. And people lose moms, and people lose dads, and people lose children. And what I've learned, folks, is that all stuff happens to all people. All things happen to all people. And you know, anytime that a church gets flippant about this and someone brand new walks into the door for the very first time and they're greeted by, hey, how are you? So glad you're here. Boy, if you love God, your life's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be good. Everything is going to be great. Everything's good. Just come on in here. Every time we get flippant about things like this, folks, it kills people. It does. It kills people's hearts. Folks, our job is not to give flippant explanations to people about things that we don't fully understand. When people suffer deeply, we need to be right beside them. When they mourn, we should mourn with them. We should come alongside. We should become family. And I just want to say this morning, That if some tough stuff's happening in your life right now, don't go through it alone. We want to care for you. We want to love you. We want to walk beside you. And get get plugged into a small group. Don't, Don't do this alone. Take the risk. Be with some people that'll love you. If you're going through a hurt, habit, or hang up right now, Thursdays at 7 o'clock, celebrate recovery. It's not just people that are struggling with addictions of of drugs or alcohol, but it can be any hurt, any habit, whatever it is. Don't go through it alone. If you've lost a loved one recently and you're struggling to just be able to handle that, Mondays we have grief share at our church office, 630. Come and be a part of that. Don't hurt alone, folks. You know, the reality is we all experience all kinds of circumstances in our life, and that will tell us something about ourselves. One of my favorite authors is a theologian uh, who uh, is dead now, but he he writes some amazing things. He used to be a Catholic priest, and his name is Henry Nouwen, and this is what he says. At issue is the question, to whom do I belong, to God or to this world? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest I belong more to the world than to God. A little criticism makes me angry. A little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits. And a little success excites me. It takes very little to raise me up or thrust me down. Often I am like a small boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of the waves. All the time and energy I spend in keeping some kind of balance and Preventing myself from being tipped over and drowning shows that my life is mostly a struggle for survival. Not a holy struggle, but an anxious struggle, 
resulting from the mistaken identity that is in the world that defines me. And folks, so often we go through life and we allow the world to define us. God is constantly looking down from heaven, trying to reach out to us, even as close as our next breath, and saying, don't let the world define you, let me define you. And God defines you as his most treasured child. That's who you are. Every moment of every day, you're his most treasured child. And folks, all things happen to all of his kids. But if you don't, if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll live by the mercy of your circumstances rather than the mercy of God. Good stuff and bad stuff is going to happen in my life and in your life. But you can be assured that when stuff happens, whatever it is, that God promises that he's going to be present working on your behalf. And that leads me to the next thing that says this, in all things, God works. In all things, God works. Now, realize that it does not say this. All things will work out. (laughs) It doesn't say that. It says, in all things, God works. In fact, in the same chapter, just a few verses before this, Paul makes a statement of the nature of things. This is what he says. Everything, nature, creation, everything is in bondage to decay. You know, sometimes people will come up to you when you're going through a hard thing in life and they'll say something like this. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out okay. Everything's going to work out. Well, the truth is, folks, that everything doesn't always work out. And it's not always okay. And Paul is very clear that ever since sin came into the world, when the fall of humanity came in the garden with Adam and Eve, that everything has been from bondage to decay. Well, the truth is, everything is not okay all the time. I mean, the reality is, things fall apart, don't they? Why do you think we have plumbers? Right? Why do we have mechanics? Why do we have plastic surgeons? Because things fall apart. Why does the car depreciate the first second you drive it off the lot? Because things fall apart. Why is it every time that I buy a limited warranty on an appliance, the day after it is done, the warranty no longer exists, what happens? It falls apart. Why do people go online for dating services and they post a picture of themselves 12 years earlier in their life than they are today? And I know that it happens because I've seen some of your pictures before. I'm like, that's not what they look like. Things fall apart. See, the promise is not things work out. The promise is in all things, good stuff, bad stuff, all stuff, in all things, God works. Now, you might ask, what God? Well, it is the God 
who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. This is God Almighty. This is the maker of heaven and earth. And he is bigger than our circumstances. God is a very, very big God. On Wednesday morning, at 5.45 in the morning, I was walking out to my car to get ready to go to one of our elders' meetings, and I looked up into the sky, and there was not a cloud to be seen. It was as if the stars were reaching down, the moon was reaching down, and welcoming me to the morning of like, Chris, welcome. Look what I'm giving to you today. And I looked up, and I'm not real good with all constellations, but I could see the Big Dipper. It was like the Big Dipper was just huge. And it was saying, welcome this morning. And immediately, I was reminded of this scripture in Psalms that says this. I often think of the heavens your hands have made and of the moon and the stars you put in place. And so... On that day, because, you know, I only work one hour a week, you know, I had a lot of free time on Wednesday. I started reading about all of the stuff that scientists are talking about when it comes to the stars and the sky. And this one particular Christian scientist uh, said this. When you look up to the sky in the observable universe, when we look at all the galaxies, a single galaxy can contain a hundred trillion stars. One galaxy, a hundred trillion stars. And then they went on to say, we can see in our observable view, 200 billion galaxies. So think about that. For each galaxy, there are a hundred trillion stars, and there are 200 billion galaxies. Folks, God made it all, and the scripture says, in his hand. You see, so many people, when they picture God, what they usually do is they look up to the sky and they're like, wow, look how big this universe is. And then all of a sudden they make God much smaller. And that's not what it's about. It's about this gigantic, huge God who holds the stars and the moon and the universe in this. Look at this next verse. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. I miss my, uh, I misplace my car keys quite often. Wednesday I went to be the person who, uh, in our family, that does carpooling for two other families for soccer kids. I misplaced my keys. You know where I misplaced them? In the ignition. And we got locked out. That's where my keys were. Does anyone else, have you ever misplaced your keys before? Okay, raise your hand. Anyone that did not raise their hand, what do we call them? Liars, that's right, because we all misplace our keys. Some of you are just trying to recover from this, okay? I was just thinking about this picture of these stars, a hundred trillion stars in just one galaxy, and I doubt that God ever goes, 
Wonder where Pluto's at today? Just thought I lost Pluto. Did you realize, folks, Pluto is no longer a planet? Uh, If you were my age, you grew up, Pluto was a planet. And now they tell us, after 70 years of telling us it was a planet, it's no longer a planet now. It's a dwarf planet. It's called a Plutoid. Now, I have a feeling God didn't look down from heaven and go, boy, they're going to get confused about Pluto. I better go down there and tell them about this, you know. Like, I don't think God was ever confused about that. Look at this next scripture of how powerful... We learn God to be. It says, who else has held the ocean in his hand? This big God holds the oceans in his hand. Over fall break, our family uh, had the uh, opportunity to go to Panama City, Florida. And we just kind of chilled out on the beach all the time. But while we were on the beach, we found a mermaid. And we buried this mermaid. I'd like you to see a picture of this real quick. That's my youngest daughter, Shiloh. I don't know what the deal is, but she just loves to be buried in sand. Weird kid takes after her mom. That's all I know. But playing in the sand was not the highlight of this week, but the highlight was actually getting some sick waves on our body boards. Because Hurricane Nate had just come by uh, a couple of days before that, and they had these uh, flags out, you know, like not get in the water, and no one ever listened to those, right? And so people were out there, we're surfing, we're doing all this kind of stuff, and I didn't surf, but we were out doing these bodyboards. And my oldest daughter, Jordan, she'll stay out there all day. She's like, Dad, these are some gnarly waves, you know? Her, her, Her vocabulary changes when we get in the ocean, I guess. And she's out there and she's doing all this and she's having so much fun. I can only last for about an hour and then my body starts hurting. And so I go back up onto the beach and she's out there and I look up and the sun is just setting and I took a picture of it. And in that moment, and maybe you've had one of these before, it was as if everything just came together. And time stopped. And I started thinking, what an amazing thing that God has made. The oceans and the waves, bodyboards, created sunsets. He created my daughter. And I get to be a part of it. All of the world, folks, God has made. And the people of Israel understood this very, very clearly because they would constantly be talking about He he is the God of the heavens and the earth. He, He has made everything. That scripture says, not just the sun, the moon, and the stars, but it says He looks to you and He thinks of you. He made you. You know, every once in a while I'll get this question from people. Do you believe that God is working when you're not working? Do you believe that God is working when you're not working? You know, that's a really good question to ask yourself just before you're going to bed at night and you're not working. It's a good question to ask. Do you believe that God is working? Well, I want you to know that that if you do this, you'll have a tremendous load that goes off your shoulders. 
I mean, I'm not in control of the weather. I'm not in control of the traffic. I'm not in control of the circumstances of my life. And that's a good thing. In all things, it's God who works. Then Paul goes on to say this. In all things, God works for the good. That's really important for us to understand that God is at work for the good. Now, the problem with this particular verse is that many times people take it out of context because they don't fully understand it. People will think it means something like this. I want some good circumstances in my life. So if that's going to happen, then that means God's going to do it and God is good. So if I don't have good circumstances in my life right now, what it means is that God has something better for me later on. If I don't get a great paying job, what that means is that God is going to give me a better job with more pay later on. If I don't have uh, get a terrific promotion, then it means that God has a better promotion coming for me. If I don't get married to the most beautiful girl, it means that God is going to give me even a more beautiful girl to get married to. Now, I didn't do a whole lot of dating in college, but uh, I did uh, date a girl who was considered Miss Manchester College. I mean, she was a hottie, okay? But it didn't go anywhere. Nothing happened. We never got married, anything like that. Do you mean that God was saying in that moment that I was going to marry a more beautiful girl than Miss Manchester College? Well, in my case, yes, it does mean that, that I married someone more beautiful. But it doesn't always work out that way. Folks, here's a really important distinction when we think about God working all things for the good. And it's this. Good stuff can happen to you or good stuff can happen in you. Good stuff can happen to you or good stuff can happen in you. Now, kids typically want good things to happen to them. Mom and dad, give me a bigger allowance. Mom and dad, I want more fun toys. Mom and dad, take me on a fun vacation. But when we love somebody, we're generally more concerned about what happens in them than it is what happens to them. Because we love them, we want them to be great people, and so we're not as concerned about what happens to them. We want good stuff to be in them. But a child will often say to a parent, I want good stuff to happen to me. But if a parent really loves a child, a parent might actually be willing to make a bad thing happen to a child. For instance, a punishment, we call this punishment. It might be, you know, time out or a spanking or whatever you do. And we do this in order that good stuff happens in a child. Good stuff to me are things like a promotion or a hot date or a new job or I get a great house or I get lots of money. But good stuff that happens in me, that's the character of Jesus himself. That's love and joy and peace and patience. You see, the promise of Paul is not that good stuff is going to happen to you. But it's a much more noble, much more honorable, much more higher kind of gift. It's good stuff that's going to happen in 
Here's how this verse goes on. The whole thing, I'll read it. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, what's his purpose? Well, it goes on to say, For those who foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of who? Of his son. God's plan for you is not just that you would have good circumstances that would happen to your life. It's that you would have the character of Jesus through eternity. And that's so much better. I mean, we're often likely to think of all of the good circumstances we want God to give us, but God has something much better that he wants to give to us, even though sometimes we don't want it, and that is for good stuff to happen in us. God's promise is not to give you good stuff. God's promise is to use all that happens to you to produce in you good stuff so that you might have the character of Christ, not just now, but for all eternity. And then there is maybe my favorite phrase, in all things, God works for the good. For whom? Who's it say? For those who what? Who love him. You know, God wants people who love him. And God wants to love you. And God wants to do good in you. Again, in all things, God is at work for those who love him. Every moment, every day, he's constantly thinking about you. Whatever is going on in your life, he loves you. He loves to do good things for his kids. Now, this raises the question, though. What is God doing for people who don't love him? I'm glad you asked. Jesus gave us what he does for people who don't love him. Matthew chapter 5 says this. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the who? The evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and who else? The unrighteous. God is at work for those who love him, and God is at work for those who don't love him. He's just a loving God. That's who he is. It's just that those who don't love him, he has a harder time trying to work with them. I mean, you need to think about God this way. He's continually working for the good in every human being that he's ever created. And in heaven one day, all of us will be able to see that. And then here's our last phrase. Okay, our last phrase, which was the first phrase, remember? It says this. And we know that God is at, that God, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And we know. Those first three words are so important to us. Paul says that he wants us to grow in this area. Not, not we think, not we estimate, not we guess, not we suspect. No, this is knowledge. This is knowable. And I want you, he says, to come to know this. You see, knowing that God is at work in all things for the good is not mostly a matter of your IQ. It's not mostly a matter of information. Jesus said the connection between you knowing is that, first of all, you do. That it's when we step out in faith, when we 
do something, then we know something. We do God's will and then we know. And then we come to know what to do. I mean, obedience, folks, is simply validating knowing. When I obey, when I trust, when I do, then I come to know what is really true. When I don't obey, I'll never know. So my question for you this morning is this. Will you obey? Will you give your one and only life and your family and your kids and your possessions and everything that you have to the one true God who created the heavens and the earth and who says, in all things, I work for the good of those who love me. Folks, we all want good stuff to happen to us. We all want to be happy. But true joy True happiness comes when good stuff is actually not happening to us, but it's when it's happening in us. And we come to know that in all things, God is at work for those who trust Him and those who love Him. So this week, I have a challenge for you. And this is the challenge. As stuff happens in your life this week, and some stuff's going to happen, some good stuff, some bad stuff, some in-between stuff, but as you're going through it and stuff happens, work happens, and family life happens, and you get stuck in traffic and that happens, and when you get criticized and when someone puts you down and when you're tempted to lie and when you're discouraged, I want you to ask this question. How is God at work in this thing? Because God will be there. Because stuff happens. But God happens. And God is bigger than our stuff. So I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up right now. They'll be on both sides of the screens. And if you'd like prayer for anything, they'd love to pray with you. And maybe you're here today and you love God. You have a relationship with God. You're connected to God. But the reality is you've got some tough stuff that's going on in your life right now. And maybe you've been hiding it. You're trying to keep it to yourself. Why don't you come to one of these two people up here and just say, could you pray for me for this thing, this particular tough thing? And they would love to pray for you and believe that the God who created everything is right there for you to meet your need. And then maybe for some of you, you're here today and you got the commercial on Facebook or a friend invited you and you're here and you're like, you know, I don't, I don't really know where God's at. I don't know if I've ever really said that I I love God, that I trust Him for my life. And you're going through some tough stuff right now, and you feel alone, and there's struggle that's going on. 
don't do it anymore. Don't do it alone. Allow God to come into your life and to give your one life to him. And the way you could do that is by simply saying, God, as much as I know, I need you in my life. Please forgive me. Give me new life. Give me a new chance. I want to serve you. I want you in my life. I I want to know how to love you, God. And if that's you today, if, if today's your day, today's the day where you say, you know, this is when I cross the line of faith. I say that I want Jesus in my life. Then back here in the corner, Jennifer is back there. There's a little light. And when everything's done, so you don't have to feel like you're put on the spot up front somewhere, you can just go back there and she'd love to give you a Bible, get you started on a reading plan, let you know that God loves you and he has a great plan for your life. So let's stand for closing prayer. Well, God, we uh, come to you today. And each one of us understands what it means to have stuff that happens. And God, we just want to begin by saying thank you for being present in our life when stuff happens that you never leave us alone, you never walk away, you're present. Thank you for being a bigger God, much bigger than any circumstances that we may face. Thank you for working on our behalf and loving us no matter how much we drift away or fall away, that you love us, God, because you're a lovable God. Thank you for ultimately bringing good even out of the bad stuff we experience. And God, we just want to let you know this morning that we love you and we trust you with our lives. Help us this week as we go through our days, God, that whatever stuff may happen to us, that you will be with us. And that you are a God who is bigger than any stuff we face. Stuff happens, God, but we know that you happen and you are bigger than any stuff. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, everybody, have a great week. Know you're loved in this place. Invite somebody next week. Invite somebody. Have a good one.